Welcome, ladies, to the Real Estate Investor Show, providing inspiration, strategies, and insight to empower women investors to live balanced and financially free lives. Now, here are your co-hosts, Liz and Andressa. So in today's episode, ladies, we have Mandy McAllister. She's a multifamily investor, uh, a, a mindset ninja, she calls herself. She's an extraordinary person for so many reasons. She's built up her company from nothing to uh, focused on multifamily. That's one of the things I think you're going to appreciate most about today's interview. She talks a lot about student housing, how she got her start with a fourplex. She, we get into a little bit of how some tips there if student housing is of interest to you. But then she talks about transitioning to multifamily, how she did that, uh, some really specific specific tips if that's something that's of interest to you and it just it's quite honestly helpful to apply to any niche so i really appreciated going uh from you know her path from student housing to multifamily and her giving some great tidbits along the way to to get you there and if you are into mindset this is like a treat for you she said something during the the interview that is like so true what got me here will not get me there and that is so powerful to really be aware of our thoughts regarding ourselves, our self-worth, what we are up to in the world, because this will determine your success or will hold you back. So we, we went there. We talked about it and we, she gave very specific tips about how can we pass that and really move forward and achieve our goals, uh, meaningful goals that have an impact in the world. So this is such a great episode and I would not miss it if I were you. All right, enjoy the episode, bye. Welcome back, ladies. This is Liz. And this is Andressa. Welcome back to the Real Estate Investor Show. We are so excited to have an amazing guest on our show, Mandy McAllister. Thank you so much for being on our show. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Oh, hi. It's my pleasure. Thank you both for having me. I met Mandy at an event probably, what, two years ago in Chicago. And as soon as I met her, I'm like, I love her. I know. I just want to like, I want to like take you home with me back to Pennsylvania. So we're going to get into Mandy's story here in a moment uh, and just get into her. She just got a phenomenal story and, and really we're going to dissect some really neat things with her. Uh, but like we always do on Jessa, uh, we'd like to get connected to all the amazing women and men who like our, who, who, who yes. watch our show. So thanks for being on this journey with us. Thank you for listening. There's so many podcasts, so many great podcasts and so many things you can be doing with your time. So thank you. Thank you for taking time to be with us on this journey and listen to the show. We really um, appreciate it. And we're really grateful for you. Um, we always like to kind of kick things off with some sort of quick story. Yeah, and, then we, and then we like to dive into our, our, our interview. So we are renovating our, um, our master bathroom at our house, me and my husband. And you mean, you mean you and Matt are renovating? No, no, no. Stuff. Sorry, sorry, okay. sorry. Let me, let me rephrase that. <laughs> we hired someone to help us renovate our master bathroom. Sorry about that. No, me and my husband for being in real estate investing for 15 years are, are like <laughs> literally the worst uh, handy people in the world. So you don't want me fixing anything. And then Matt tries to do stuff. My husband is like, I think we need to hire someone. I'm like, yeah. So we're not good. No, we're not we're good at that. So, so what we did, you know, I, we put this off for a while, just like I think we were able to like build our business and just delay gratification has been a, a value of me and my husband's for a long time, sometimes to a fault. So anyway, we started getting leaking in our ceiling. So we're like, we need to like literally redo our, our shower because we're getting water in our ceiling now. So that caused us, not only was it 
20 years old, looked really bad, functionally obsolete, but now this has become a problem. So we hired someone and they redid tile. It's beautiful. Um, but then, you know, when you do part of something and then you, and I'm like, not to be gross. So I'm like, go to the bathroom. Right. And I'm looking down at the like old school, 20 year old other tile. I'm like, that's really bad compared to what I see this beautiful <laughs> shower stall. You guys are funny. So then I'm like, and then I look at the, the cap, the, the countertop and the cap. I'm like, Oh God, this thing's bad too. Now I didn't even notice it before. So, so we've been kind of like, now we're going to probably do a little more work. And then then I had the thought, then I, why I wanted to share this with everyone. Mm. I had a very unworthy thought. And I mm. said, here I am investing in my master bathroom, right? Who's going to see this except me and my husband, quite honestly. Should we put the money into something that more people can enjoy? And wow. I'm like, that's an unworthy thought. I got That's like my frugal, old school, unworthy, like mindset coming out. And I stopped myself. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to see this bathroom every single my day, every single day for the rest of like, we're staying here for a long time. <laughs> so I damn well want a nice bathroom. Yeah. And I want to change the old school tile. Yeah. And, and you know what? I'm not going to feel bad about that. And I had to talk myself. I had to give myself a little pep talk because I'm like, well, we did the shower because it was leaking, not because it was aesthetic, you know? And I'm like, that's just old thinking. And I think as women, we really grapple with that a lot of the times. And, um, you got to be like your little person on the side saying, no, stop that thinking. You're worthy of a nice damn bathroom. I'm not going to save it for everybody else. No, I want a nice bathroom and there's nothing wrong with that. So I just want to share that. <laughs> I am so proud of you. It's not even funny because <laughs> I know, you know, you are beautifully a selfless person, right? You, 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 you and Matt are the most selfless people I probably know and but what you're saying here is different. It's not that by doing that for you guys, you're going to be selfish. Quite different is like self-worth. You yeah. are worth And I am really everything. guilty. I mean, I'm really, I'm feeling like struggling. I'm sharing because I'm still struggling with it a little bit. <laughs> but I know it's the right thing for my growth with feeling worthy and yeah. feeling like, you know what? I can't do everything for everyone else except... You know, I want to change the tile. You know, I, I deserve that, yeah. you know, not because it's broken or it's leaking, but just because, you know. <laughs> yes. And listen, so. if you need help with, with the selections and I know, I great have a, deals. I have a call. I know I have a call and I want to call you later. I want to show it to you. So. <laughs> and get a great deal on a tile or on a vanity <laughs> that might fulfill that, you know, frugal yeah. bug that you have. So you're right. like, oh, good. I got a good deal here and I still got my bathroom. So I'm very proud of you, Liz. Well, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> without, without further ado, Mandy, um, you know, you're um, involved in so much from multifamily to, you know, I know you got your start in student housing um, and you've done a lot, a lot of neat things and you have a shared passion, just like Andres and I, for supporting women in this business and in this world. And, and I love your posts. I love your community that you're building as well. Um, so I just, I appreciate that we have a, a shared passion mm -hmm. for this, you know, really helping women, especially. So we always like to do, we kick things off, share a little bit about the, you know, for the, for, for our listeners, um, what propelled you to get involved in real estate investing? Yeah, sure. So it's, I, I was born into a family, both my parents are self-employed. So that's always kind of been in my blood, you know? So mm -hmm. I was kind of knew I would want to run something of my own. But um, when I was in college, I remember being at a party and whatever friend was talking about her dad bought this house that we were having this party at. And she was renting out the rooms to our fellow friends. Right. And I'm like, oh my gosh, 
and you get to keep that extra money. That's the best. That's the most amazing idea I've ever heard in my entire life. So the the idea of real estate investing as a, you know, kind of a secure um, asymmetric risk return thing with a hard asset was born. Um, and then, you know, it took many years of learning and I, I worked on the floor of the board of trade and was a trader for mm-hmm. some time. So to see what paper assets or, uh, you know, commodity contracts can, you know, I saw guys lose millions of dollars in seconds because it's on paper. It's not a hard asset, you know? So that kind of informed the way I looked at stuff too. And then many years later, you know, tried to employ the Burr strategy on a condo that I lived in. But in 2008 in Chicago, we weren't done going to the bottom of where we were <laughs> correcting yet. So that didn't happen in the time frame that I thought it would. And ended up in 2016 was my actual first purchase for express purpose of investment. So let's talk about that deal, right? Um, how did you find that deal? How did you fund that deal? Because those are the most common questions Mm -hmm. and the reason why we ask that because we have found out that women are very creative the ways or they go to the you know standard there's nothing wrong with that but we are very curious because sometimes there is like a a twist that might help other people how to get their first deal and get it funded so would you mind sharing how did you get that Absolutely. And honestly, this first deal, this fourplex that I did at at, by Illinois State University, it's about two hours from Chicago. This is my absolute favorite deal to talk about. Why is that? (laughs) Because it's I mean, it's it was my baby. It was the thing that, you know, I was nervous. I was, you know, imposter syndrome I was, I do not belong here. I'm pretending to be a real estate investor. People told me I was pretending to be a real estate wow. investor. And this, this big jump I needed to take, um, the overcoming of that kind of fear monster is what, what helped me get to the, these cool things I'm getting to do now. But, um, but that's why it's my favorite one to talk about. And I really think too, you know, now that I'm playing in this multifamily world, we talk so much about how many doors and it's not an interesting deal unless it's 400 doors and whatever. This, you know, fourplex still throws off $1,100 in cash flow every single month for me, you know? Mm-hmm. So I, I love this message of, especially to women, this it's okay <laughs> if you walk before you run. Taking the first step, the next right step, is the thing that matters right now to propel you into success. So um, the fourplex, it was, I, I, the, the thing I did right is I, I really sought out the advice of people who were there locally. So I kind of did a ton of uh, market. I, I, I had the thought kids will keep going to college, right? That's not going to change. You know, if, if restructure and refinance or whatever in in the world of student um, of, you know, college education changes, I still think kids will go to college. So I looked at state universities in Illinois. It just so happened in 2016, Illinois state was tearing down a couple of their dorms. Um, and they had the strongest growth of student, uh, population. So I'm like, that's my, that's my market. That's kind of how I narrowed down which market I was going to go to. And then, um, I asked someone, you know, all right, you're, you just graduated from Illinois state. Who did you go to 
when you wanted to rent an apartment to live off campus. And they said, oh, you go to one of these two property managers. She named two property managers. I interviewed them both and really hit it off with the way one of the property managers thought and ended up, you know, kind of learning we can rent by the bed uh, as a furnished rental or we can do an unfurnished rental. And then looking at those numbers, an unfurnished rental for a one bedroom was uh, at 400, 450 a month. But if I furnished it, uh, it was seven fifty or something like that. So it's worth buying a couch if you're going to basically <laughs> double your rent, you know. So the deal I actually I found I I, I learned that this um, you know putting something in its its you know best use was really kind of the play there. So I found something on on MLS that was renting unfurnished, but in the middle of a bunch of furnished rentals that this this group that I go through manages. So I found it on MLS, just I paid full price. Uh, it was $120,000. It was, you know, mm-hmm. kind of a layup now that I'm looking back. But um, I, I knew it wasn't being utilized to its best potential. So um, that's why I could pay a little more. Yeah, and that, that's like a myth because sometimes we put so much pressure on ourselves and say, I should not pay full price. Mm-hmm. Listen, if you know the potential, Right. of the property that is higher than that, I'm comfortable putting full price because mm-hmm. I know the value is higher. So I'm actually getting it, the discount that I consider all my books mm-hmm. valuable. Don't don't get me wrong. I will always negotiate something, but there mm-hmm. are certain deals that either it's like take it or leave it mm-hmm. and this is it. So I love what you're saying that, you know, you, you did that and it's still a deal. It's still a deal. Yeah. So, right. What, what is a deal for somebody might not be a bad deal for somebody else. So I think mm-hmm. that we need to like dismissify this thing about that houses can, deals cannot be found on the MLS that we don't need mm-hmm. to pay full price because then we are like crossing out so many deals that might be a good cash flow as in your case, yeah. we might be missing opportunities. And I so completely agree with that. And I mean, I think it was listed at 125. I paid 120, but it was still basically full full price. Mm -hmm. But I think the thing you have to figure out as an investor is what is the thing that matters most to you? You know, um, again, in my multifamily world, lots of people most honor how many doors do you have, right? I most honor how much cash flow does it throw off, right? Yeah, let's talk about that, right? Right. Because we go in conferences back in the day and we're like, oh, I have so many doors and da, da, da. Yeah, let's talk about cash flow. (laughs) Yeah, well, but what I'll tell you is you're going to do a different deal if number of doors is more important than cash flow to you. Sure. You know? And, and vice versa. So I'm cool being the person that does, you know, four and six and eight plexes because I'm throwing off a ridiculous amount of cash. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and knowing, mm-hmm. and knowing what your goals are, right. I mean, that's, that's the key. And where do you, where, what are you trying to build? And not, none of the other stuff really matters. It's all noise really. But, but starting from that, um, mm-hmm. I, I wanted to speak to two things really quick and then get back to student housing if we can. So I think, I think that's a really, mm-hmm. it's a, it's, it's a, in a a powerful niche. And I'm curious, it's not my first question, but I want to like circle back on how the world that we're in, in terms of COVID impact has impacted that, but we'll, we'll go there in a second. Two things I just want to speak to. I love that you said you started by um, local, local market and local support. And you literally asked a student the questions. I mean, mm-hmm. I think so many times people are like, I don't know how to do research in a local market. And they like, they spend days on doing research when they literally 
can go and ask, well, probably not as easy right now, but regardless, <laughs> it's just as easy to like ask people who are your potential customers, mm-hmm. where they go and what they do, like simple, simple, easy. Mm-hmm. And people don't even think about that. So I love that. I love that strategy. I want to just, just highlight that. And I also wanted to say, when you buy a property, most people don't ask, what is the highest and best use of this property? So if investors mm-hmm. led from that question, right, which is exactly what you did, Mandy, you know, everything else falls into line versus how much, you know, the cash flow is a really important question, but you also, you most importantly right. ask what's that highest and best use and how do I strategize mm-hmm. this? So I, I love that. Um, but tell us a little bit more about student housing. Cause it, it's been always an intrigue of mine, mm-hmm. quite honestly, selfishly, we don't mm-hmm. actually have any student housing as, as, as property. It's not been a focus of ours. We once tried to rent mm-hmm. to students in like close to a college area that never works. I don't mm-hmm. think we really focused on the niche and really focused on providing yeah. what they needed. So when people are navigating, mm-hmm. and I was talking to an investor a couple of weeks ago, they were talking a little bit about um, student housing. When, when people are navigating student housing, and whether or not to, like we talk about exit strategies. Should I take this three bedroom mm-hmm. and rent it to a family? Should I, you know, it's it's one block from this college. Should I, should I do that? College kids are a little, you know, they're a unique customer, mm-hmm. if you will. So mm-hmm. how did yeah. you navigate? Like what, what were some like critical tips that people are trying to evaluate student housing as a, mm-hmm. as a niche in, in investing? So, um, in terms of I, basically what I'm going to tell you here are my happy mistakes. So I was by no means an I like that. Happy I, mistakes. Know. I'm gonna totally steal that, man. <laughs> oh yeah, please, please do. So uh, okay. Right. So it just so happened that this fourplex was one bedroom units. It come to find out, you know, it, you know, in this world of COVID, that's really strongly demanded to kind mm. of weave in your your other uh, ideas. That so is so the, true. Yep. My my property manager with whom I had a call recently. Um, you know, they're having a lot of trouble renting out their four bedroom units. What they're having to do is rent two bedrooms and then do two as like study areas. So that takes your NOI and slashes it in half. But if you have a one bedroom unit, you're, you know, sitting pretty. So initially my thought was, oh, well, I'm going to attract like either, you know, graduate students call it who want to live alone or kind of the, you know, bookish folks who aren't necessarily going to have a kegger. And, uh, you know, so I, I'm going to avoid some of that stuff that investors are scared of that. Mm-hmm. Oh, these students are going to ruin my property. Well, I'm also keeping a security deposit, Yeah, you know, and I have their parents co-sign. So, uh, that what if they ruin the property is not a concern of mine. And it's frankly, I hope a bunch of investors continue to think that. So I continue to find the deals, you know what I mean? <laughs> um, so I, I'll tell you too that um, uh, I this fourplex. It was um, you know you can get just a normal residential loan on that. That's what I did, right? An interesting thing is we were uh, looking into a hundred and seventy something unit at another college town. Um, the the lending that you can get on that. So when you go into multifamily, and I, I don't want to kind of get into the weeds, but the types of loans that you can get in multifamily, this non-recourse Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac agency debt is part of the reason the bigger stuff is so attractive. You do, you can't qualify for that for Fannie and Freddie larger yeah. debt. So uh, navigating the larger um, assets is a little different in terms of the lending. So um, right now in the COVID world, I would say if you can find something that's one or two bedrooms um, in a a mar- in an area that's close enough to the school. What I'll also tell you is um, 
we talk in A, B, C, D assets, A used usually new construction and so on and so forth. <clears throat> in student housing, the way I kind of think about ABCD rankings is how close we are to campus center. Mm. So I don't want to buy anything that's more than call it a mile from campus center because, you know, kids are going to want to walk to class and in Illinois and it's real cold. So uh, you're not going to want to walk more than call it 20 minutes. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. I love that. And, and for those who are not familiar, it, it is really helpful to get like when, when people start saying, what's that local market look like? Um, there's different types of markets and you need to know, obviously age of property is enormous, right? Mm-hmm. The, the new construction is is one one spectrum and, and the properties that are, you know, 50 years year old in terms of age is a different ball game. So age of property is one thing. Also, you know, safety and crime impacts how, how all these properties are played out in terms of, you know, where, where they are on the spectrum of what, what Mandy was just referring to. So Google that to get, even if you're not familiar, start thinking about where do I want my market to, you know, what type of market do I want to invest in? Uh, so I just want to mention that for folks not familiar with that at all. Um, yeah, I have a question about like your 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 avatar, right? Your students. When we think about like student housing, we think about worst case scenario, like mm-hmm. kids just like destroying the house or or being super, you know, not respectful. So I understand the the numbers, but how do you prevent or set your standards to make sure that you know, you don't have to spend too much time on the the, the managing or, or fixing things mm. that I, I'm sure right now, I hope like parties on that type of stuff is, is, is not happening. Mm. But in terms of, of like what people must put in place on their lease, is it different mm. from a regular, quote unquote, regular tenant or things that you're like, oh, I didn't know that. I should now it is, and this is why. Mm, so I'm a huge proponent of leaning on property managers. And I am so incredibly lucky that the property manager that I ended up finding by way of asking that student is so adept at this. Mm. So, you know, first off, just the type of asset it is attracts a different type of tenant, of student. So I don't have as many problems because it's the, the avatar of the kid is different, you know? And then my property manager has, the question you just asked me, Andressa, is a question I ask my property manager because we talk once a month for 10 minutes. That's, that's right. where we're at in the management of this asset because I, I mean, I got a lot going on. I do not have the bandwidth to be taking calls from any tenant, let alone right. a student, you know? So um, I, I would tell you to, you know, and any listener out there to really find the property manager who looks at things that will treat it like their own and, you know, secret shop them, you know, really go in, ask a bunch of students. If you can, I, when we were looking at that 170, whatever, in a different student market, I made a Facebook post. Who do I know that's going to the school and, or has kids that are there or just graduated, you know, please, I I would love a chance to, to chat and had a chance to have some conversations with kids to, to kind of understand the lay of the land. It's, it's not terribly hard to find people to, to chat with in that love way. That. Yeah, I love that too. And it's a, it's a good reminder that as 
most investors get very hands-on. They manage it themselves. They're doing everything themselves. I used to clean apartments. I put furniture together. I mean, I've done it all, me and my husband. Mm-hmm. And like, and you think about that, and, and that was the right decision at that time. I'm not going to beat yeah. ourselves up. We learned the business. We learned how to be landlords mm-hmm. so that we can hire property managers. And I know we know what to ask these people because we yeah. manage property. I, I'm a big fan, not that there's one right, right or wrong way, but I am a big fan of getting some experience. So you know what the hell to ask these people. Because yes. if you don't even know what to ask, you could get taken. You got a great team member. That doesn't happen mm-hmm. for everyone. Yeah. But I love what you're saying in terms of, you know, having that strong expertise so that you can really build that team around you. You cannot be an expert in everything. There's mm-hmm. no way. So I, I do love that because especially student housing, they, they mm-hmm. have to know what they're doing, right? It's yeah. such a niche, right? Yeah. There's so there's, there's probably those like to Andres's point, those are fears, but to your point, mm-hmm. you got an expert on your team who knows what they're doing. Those fears get dissipated. Mm-hmm. Well, and like you were saying, the the let's get hands on, let's dig in. Totally agree that it's important, but I think that it's easy, you know, when you're in that world of oh, I can handle it best. I mean, it's well, we do this as women with the laundry. Do you Absolutely. know what I mean? It is so easy to do, but you know, in terms of my growth as a real estate investor, what got me here won't get me there. That's right. So I have to really understand how to work on my business rather than in my business. And you did that perfectly well because you just posted recently, which we saw. We've always, you know, appreciated you and like, you know, we always wanted to have you on the show, but what, what, what reminded us, Hey, we got to reach back out to Mandy. You posted something about your 53 unit, right? Mm-hmm. So tell us a little bit about that and how that came to be, how you, um, you know, how you found it, everything, you know, around mm-hmm. it, it would be great to show that, that path, right. And that mm-hmm. you did, you did, um, expand. Yeah. So started with that fourplex, did a few more small multis, bought into uh, as a passive investor into a syndication to learn what that felt like from the the passive side. And then one thing I realized of the what got me here won't get me there thing was, you know, I was the whole ball game. Yes, I was just one team member and I had um, property managers and lenders and, you know, a ton of help on the stuff I own myself, but I took on partners for the the 53 units. So that's in terms of getting to a new level of growth, partnership is the big lesson that I learned. So um, I uh, run a multifamily uh, centered meetup in Chicago because I wanted to talk multifamily and there really wasn't one four years ago when I started it um, and ended up having someone who came to my meetup who was a broker in Chicago. And, you know, we grew a friendship, ended up meeting at a ton of other um, networking events and, you know, ended up just becoming friends, talking deals. And my brother lives in Indianapolis. So he knew I was interested in that market. When he ended up down there, he asked if I would like to start looking at deals. So he actually had a number of relationships with brokers who also went to Indy because he's a broker by profession here in Chicago. And actually he's the one that uh, was brought the deal. So um, we believe very strongly uh, that for this larger stuff, uh, relationships with brokers is the easiest, the path of least resistance, you know, because they're they're doing all kind of the cold calling and stuff that many people would do. But if the, like we said, if the deal works, if I get my cash flow number that I need, who cares if I went through a broker or off market or direct to seller, you know? Absolutely. You know, on our Facebook community, 
for those of you that are not listening, don't know about that, please check out our Facebook community with uh, more than 5,000 members there that want to support one another. And one of the questions that we always get there is about partnerships. Mm -hmm. People, I love what you're saying. What got me here will not get me there. Mm -hmm. and, and, and I think that that is hitting more than ever because we get to a stage on our career, on our business that we're like, something is missing. And sometimes it is leverage, leverage our time, our right. finances, our experience and everything. But there is, there is um, like a blind spot, right? Partnerships. We know that by partnering up with other folks, we'll get further, but still we try to do things on our own. So mm -hmm. what is, what is holding women back? And mm -hmm. what I'm hearing is like this big concern that other folks will not carry the load as much as mm -hmm. we are very, we know we will. Right. So yes. from your experience, how do you know somebody will be a good partner and will mm -hmm. work as hard as you? So my my partner, Brian, I have seen him work on deals. I have been his, you know, kind of contemporary through this multifamily investing for some time. And the level of hustle of this guy, the level of preparedness of this guy that I observed as a friend for years was admirable to me. So I, I knew from my own observations that, that, that I could depend on him, that it wasn't going to be like my senior of college class project where I'm the one doing everything. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, you know, there's a lot of hard, I believe very much in partnership is like a marriage in many ways. You have to have all of these hard conversations up front. And you know what, guys, I have screwed up partnerships before this. You know, I lost a like a bucket of money, a huge bucket of money to a partner who kind of just ran away with it. And uh, I'll tell you, you know, one more thing, the huge lesson there is you know, I do background checks on my, my partners. I want to know, you know, is, is there a bankruptcy? Is there a short sale? Is there, you know, criminal history? Like I, I need to know this because you're not going to tell me that if you, you know, got arrested in 1994, you know, but I want to know, and I want to see how you deal with hard questions from me. And if you don't deal well, then when stuff is going poorly in what we're working on together, I know that's going to be a hard conversation too. So, you know, ask the hard questions, but do research your, your due diligence of the person in a big way too. I love that. You know, it's funny because that made me think of a conversation we were in last night about vetting syndicators. Mm. And the person said, you know, how do I, how do I vet them? And, you know, and I, and we all kind of were jumping in as a mastermind kind of event we were having. And it was fascinating because I said, I said, the question you want to ask them is, have they ever asked, have they ever lost money? Mm -hmm. And what did they do about it? Because you know what? Everyone's lost some money at some time. I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. Everyone's brought money to, to the table. And if you've been in this business long enough and you've done enough deals, that is an inevitable. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you've done four deals, maybe not. And maybe some people, some people love to talk about how they're amazing and they've never lost money. They've only made bucos of money. Great. They probably have done four deals. You know, my experience, they haven't done mm -hmm. as much as others to warrant like the average of, of the law of averages, if you will. Mm -hmm. So my point though, and saying that to your point is like, you know, asking those really tough questions of, it's, it's tough things are going to happen. You're yeah. going to buy 53 units, something tough, challenging is going to happen. 
It just is. Let's just be honest. So to your point, asking those questions and I love the idea of doing a background check. I never thought about that. Um, you know, I know about background checks, but you know, I think that's a great idea. Um, that's a great one. I'm going to add that to my list of Andressa, <laughs> well, I'm mean, sending you a background check immediately <laughs> after this interview. <laughs> I mean, so for $15, I yeah. could have like not lost that yeah. huge amount of money by running that uh, on a previous partner, you know? I love that. Um, yeah. And I think that when you say like, uh, you take ownership about saying, listen, I screw up. Oh, that shows yeah. so much growth because people that are just unaware and listen, Lise, keep me on my toe. And, mm. you know, we are working, we are a work in progress. Absolutely. And we work on, on the things that we're, oh, we need help there or we need help here. Mm. And I surround myself, we surround ourselves with people they're not going to tolerate mm. BS around, right? But you were saying, oh, I did screw up. That tells me that, you know, you did a lot of like, mind your mindset mm -hmm, it's just like i am okay saying that i screw up and i mm -hmm. lost x y and z yeah and this is the lessons that i i've learned so mm -hmm. talking about mindset mm. do you believe that the mindset can hold a lot of people even though if they know all the strategies they bought mm -hmm. the guru courses they have all the books the podcast and everything else mm -hmm. They have the knowledge. They know mm -hmm. how to wholesale a deal, how to purchase a house, mm -hmm. uh, but they are still stuck. Do you think that's mm -hmm. a mindset problem? hundred percent. And I, I, first of all, I, I want to honor this conversation where we're at right here because you have, you have an incredible uh, community. I'm working to grow my community. We're, we're leaders of these communities and the chance to get to say out loud where we are vulnerable and we have screwed up allows permission for so many people who are working to build footsteps in, you know, the same direction we're headed. So thank you for that opportunity. And in terms of mindset, I so firmly believe that it's, it's the vast majority of anything you do, whether you think you can, or you think you can't, you are right. I used to tell my volleyball girls, I coach that all the time. And you know, if I, I'm, I'm a product of it. I mean, look, I, it was the nineties when I decided real estate investing was interesting. And then every time someone would tell me something that, Oh no, you need to own your own place to live before you can invest. Anytime I would get something that would give me an out to not pursuing something that was very interesting to me, I took it. And then I get to this point with this fourplex, it was $120,000. You guys, the payment on that is like, 800 bucks or something ridiculous that it's, it's that it's a courage muscle. It's a fear muscle. It's a, once you have done something and you've taken that leap and you realize you didn't die on the other side, everything else becomes easier. So, you know, I would encourage any woman listening to this, that you, if you have done learning and you can trust what you have learned, trust what you've learned to a point, and then understand you're going to have to leap into the unknown in order to do the real learning. You haven't done the real learning yet unless you've taken that leap. Mm -hmm. And you call yourself, I, I love that you call yourself the Mindset Ninja. I mean, I so I read your bio, I had this vision of knowing what you look like and then seeing you, because my son is obsessed with ninjas, like literally oh, there's yeah. ninjas everywhere in his room. It's like ninja all the time. We talk about ninjas. It's like, it's a big conversation in our household. Uh -huh. So I love that you call yourself that. So <laughs> 
Tell us more about that and how it relates to everything you just said, because I got to know more about that. Yeah, I, I just I mean, I made a choice a few years ago, five, probably five or six now that, you know, you don't get to pick a lot in life, but you pick your attitude, you pick your outlook. And I, you know, we had this incredible conversation on our aspiring woman accountability call recently that, you know, even if you think something bad about yourself and it's a knee jerk reaction, you don't even control that because it's these neural pathways that are ingrained. So if you think, oh, I'm fat. Okay. Well, you, you didn't control that. That's what you mm-hmm. condition yourself. But what you do control is that second thought. You can either think, oh yeah, and I ate that cake last night, you know, or you can think, you know what, I'm going to make a better choice today. Which one is going to rewire you and which one is going to, you know, re like establish that poor connection. So I just, I, I so completely believe that you control your attitude and you control that second thought and that is it. And my life has taken off in a big way, uh, emotionally, spiritually in business um, ever since I made that one pretty simple decision. And I, I actually have had the opportunity to work on a mindset series with my friend, uh, Barry Griffiths on his podcast, the wrestling with real estate mm-hmm. uh, podcast. We're doing a weekly mindset um, conversation for real estate investors. It's been so fun to get to talk through these issues with, you know, multifamily. I, I love that. I, I see like a retreat where we're all having like mimosas near somewhere <laughs> very warm talking about that because we hear a lot that like um, we are what we think, but uh, as you were saying, let's challenge that because we feel that we are in control of every single thought. And listen, sometimes I have freaking crazy thoughts that pass by. And I was like, well, that was a crazy one. Huh? <laughs> should not come to my mouth. So should yeah. stay there. All right. Bye. Crazy thought. All right. See you. See you later. So like being aware of those thoughts and, mm. and observing it, I love what you say. You're not in control of that, which I hundred percent agree but you are of the second one that comes Mm. after, right? Say, thanks Mm. for sharing voice. Thanks for sharing that crazy thought over there and in your, in our attitude. And then we kind of like start reshaping it. But my point is, can we do that on our own? Because a lot of women, Mm. including me a long time ago, before we had, you know, our investor community, Mm -hmm. I tried to figure it out on, on, on my own. And Mm -hmm. what I have found that I need a core Mm -hmm. core group, a community that can back me up because when I share, listen, this is what's going on over here. I have people that, you know, show my, my blind spot. Do you feel that people can figure out on their own or, or there is a need of this Mm -hmm. um, sisterhood to say, Mm -hmm. So I think the work is all internal. First and foremost, it's if you don't take ownership for the work that you're doing internally on your own mindset stuff, ain't no change gonna happen. However, we are as women are communal creatures. You know, back in the day, the hunter gatherer, whatever, you know, like we were picking berries and we were communicating like, don't get the ones by the water. Those are sour and you got to go over here. You know, like we are people who need to talk. Do you know? So, I mean, I, I think that, and, and honestly, you know, we are not a real estate group. You are a real estate group. This chance to come to commune with other women on, you know, full like wellness, full person stuff or real estate stuff that, that is such a huge asset. So, you know, first you have to take ownership that it is your work to be done, but no, you are not alone. I love that. I love that because, you know, 
in a lot of ways, sometimes we look to other people, right. To, to, mm-hmm. to, to either solve it or figure it out. And, and then we're just like, I don't know, you know, like that's like a card some people play. And I, I play it sometimes. And, and I'm like, hold on, you know, and like, that's like the thought I had of unworthiness. You're mm-hmm. not your thoughts. Your yeah. thoughts are not you. That's you know? got me. Yeah. You know, because it's, I'm like, I'm not, I'm worthy of this. I have to remind myself of that because I have an old story that I tell mm-hmm. myself, but that's a story. That's not me. That's not my what, highest version. Mm-hmm. What got you here won't get you there. That's right. Absolutely. With, with both your mind, but it starts with your mind. If you want to scale, like you just mm-hmm. said, from, from a fourplex in getting into partnership. I also, I also want to just pinpoint something you said, I love People often say, oh, I want to get into to multifamily. And then you're like, oh, what part, groups are you part of? Huh, I'm not part mm-hmm. of any groups right now. Well, that's a problem. Yeah. <laughs> you got to start surrounding yourself around the people. Like if you want to get into self-storage, I would be part of every Facebook community, every networking group. I'd start newbies in self-storage. I don't care. Whatever you want to do. Like I love that you started a meetup about the very thing you wanted to do more about. And then what did it do? It led you to this building this relationship. It's not like it wasn't like, wow, that that's crazy that that happened. You know, like <laughs> yeah. you did a lot of hard work and you put the time in of building the relationship with kudos goes to you. But people don't realize like I want more of this. I need to start spending energy there. And if mm-hmm. it's not something, go start it. It's so easy. Mm-hmm. Do a virtual account accountability monthly group on fill in the blank of what you want to get into mobile home mm-hmm. parks. I don't care. I really don't. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter. It's like, what do you want more of? Spend your energy there. You know, I just mm-hmm. love that you did that. And that opened up this amazing path, which you, you know, have jumped into and taken off with. Um, before we go, I want to ask one more important question about time blocking, because mm. we, we get into this topic a lot with women about time management. And I think, you know, you can't really manage time. You can only manage yourself really yeah. ultimately. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's a whole other right discussion. Um, but what, you know, one, one thing that you do with time blocking, tell us a little bit about that, because mm. that was something you were like, that is my recipe to how I, yes. I'm able to do what I do. So, you, you know, you got a lot on your plate, you're a single mom, you're mm-hmm. growing this empire. So tell us a little about time blocking and how you've mm-hmm. used it effectively. So a couple of hacks on this, actually, thank you for the chance to talk about this, because I, I think that there's a couple of things that aren't obvious that are benefits to this time blocking stuff because the mom guilt that I felt from, oh, I should be with my kid instead of like trying to take down this new 60 unit property, right? Like there's there's an inherent guilt, right? But a thing that I learned and a, a lot of the mindset work I've done, books I've read, you know, if I can show up completely, like I am with you guys completely right now. This is what is on my calendar. This has my full attention. And when it's time for my time with my kid, then I am full on phone off time with my kid. He, he appreciates three hours with mom going on in an ice cream adventure way more than he would appreciate the full day. Mom answering a bunch of emails while she was with him. Do you know what I mean? So I remove that, that really helps me alleviate that mom guilt and gives me permission, personal permission to focus on the stuff that's in front of me. And, uh, one more little hack there is, you know, this idea of there's a lot of science behind multitasking, this switching from one thing to another, that switching time makes you completely inefficient. 
So if you can, as your uh, um, time blocking, batching your stuff you need to do. So I drive a lot for my day job. Um, I end up yelling at Siri. Hey, Siri, call Liz Faircloth. Hey, Siri, you know what I mean? So when I get to this is my two hours for calls, I can just bang down all of those calls or all of these emails or all of these like spreadsheets I need to look at. The batching stuff puts my brain in a space and I'm not switching back and forth and makes me significantly more efficient. Love that. I love that. It, the um, made me think of uh, the one thing. It's a great, yeah. great, great book, great resource. Gary Keller, right? Who yep. created mm-hmm. Keller Williams. Um, I, I remember learning that about the, the the inefficiencies of multitasking in that book. I don't think I, and he put some great statistics and I don't remember them because I don't remember statistics usually, but um, that's, it goes in my head and goes out of my head, but, um, but very powerful. And you're absolutely right. It's just, it's, it's just inefficient, but yet it gives us this, like this quick fix, right? This quick, mm-hmm. like we're doing a lot. We have to keep mindful of that, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think as women too, that, you know, the hunter gatherer days, we had to be looking, we had this diffuse awareness and men just needed to go kill one antelope, you know? So <laughs> focus in my opinion is significantly easier and that that coincidentally i think is why they can't find the ketchup bottle behind the mustard bottle because they didn't have deal to, with that do you know because they just need to kill the first antelope they, didn't, they don't need to look for a specific antelope you know That's so anyway really so allison armstrong has these these are her ideas it's uh you would love to read her stuff but but anyway so our brains are doing a thousand things at once so it's kind of incumbent on the female brain to try to harness that power in a big way. And for me, that batching stuff helps. I love that. You know, it just made me think of it. I'm like, Hey honey, can you bring this up? And then like he, if it's two things, if it's three things, I know he'll, he'll, he'll bring up one. And I'm like, I really needed the, Oh, I forgot that. I'm like, it was 10 seconds ago. I mean, really, what, what else are you like? What else, you know, but one you're right. It's like that. It really does. I'm just, and I were having a conversation the other day and we're trying to dig deeper on you know, serving, serving the women in our community. Cause that's what, what we're in the, what we're doing really sincerely. And I, we were talking about the hunting and the gathering and it's so interesting because it's such a core, like it's a, it's a, in like the beingness of, of, of women and men, you know, it's not like turn it off, turn it on. It's like yeah. this, this social conditioning yes. for generations. Right. So it's not like, mm-hmm. well, I'm just not going to be a gatherer. You know, I mean, it, it's kind of like, okay, I can move beyond that. And I, but, you know, I love that. I love what you're saying. This is awesome. I we can keep going, man. God, I see on. the minute I met you, I'm like, I need wine with her. And we talked for six hours. I did. Yes. I, I really, I just so enjoyed when, when you're like, you're like, you're going to, you got to do a little YouTube session. I'm like, all right, I'm on, I'm in, I'm in, you know, yes. it's great. Um, <laughs> Mandy, where can the women listening learn more about your, uh, your business, your community, all the things, all the great things yeah. you're up to. Uh, thank you. So I actually, uh, I've got like a wide net of things I'm interested in. So I kind of made a catch-all of mandymcallister.com. You can learn more about the aspiring women community and, and what we're building there, uh, my real estate investment. And I actually, um, I made a calculator to help mm. figure out what levels of uh, financial freedom, what you need as mm. an investor in order to hit those metrics, which I've I found mm. uh, super helpful. You can find Great. that. Awesome. And all this information you guys can find on our show notes with all the links and everything you need to uh, get in touch with Mandy. So now we're going to transition to our fabulous three questions. And the first one, Mandy, is what's the most transformational book you Mm. have ever read? Oh, I, you know, I'll tell you. 
mm-hmm. that more than just one book, I made a goal in 2017 to, to read a book a week, well, listen to a book a week. And I got halfway through the year and already hit that goal. So I've been doing a hundred books wow. a year for the last three years. And the kind of breadth of that, putting ideas together is really the most transformational thing. But I'll tell you, I, if I have to give just one, mm. Think and Grow Rich for Women, Mm. It's, you've, you've heard of Thinking Grow Rich probably written in the 25. they had it for women. Yeah, it's Sharon Lecter wrote it. We're actually doing a book club on it if you want to join in Aspiring Women, uh, de- December 17th. But it's uh, it's basically, it reframes a number of really key things because women s- sometimes feel weird about money. Uh, and if she reframes something that clicked for me is I'm not seeking all of the money in the world. I'm seeking all of the impact in mm. the world that I can have. And that's the same function. It just so happens money comes to me at the same time. Wow. That it is really powerful. Like you start like some wheels start turning here. It is so true. So the second question is what's the most powerful routine that you do to create a financially free and balanced life? The A number one is the time blocking is the, you know, really making sure that I have carved out time for deep work, for real focus on what it is that I want to move forward. Um, There's a ton of habits, but the biggest one, the biggest ROI is that time blocking. Awesome. And the last question is, which woman, famous or not, has inspired you the most? My grandmother, Jeanette. I'm Amanda Jeanette. She is uh, Grandma Jeanette. She was my closest neighbor growing up on the farm a mile away. And just the kindness and uh, grace and the ability to figure it out no matter what it was is something that I run directly towards every single day. Awesome. Mandy, thank you so much for being on our show. Thank you for sharing your wisdom with us, our listeners, and certainly all the great work you're up to. I mean, really, you have such a great, um, you know, soulful approach here, not just, you know, from a financial perspective, obviously, but clearly like your passion around connecting me, you, you, you listen to a hundred books, like you're, you're amazing. <laughs> you're like my new hero here. So thank you for being on our show. Thank you for all you do and appreciate your time. So grateful. Thank you. Thank you, Mandy. If you enjoyed this podcast and want to receive updates on our next interviews, go to our website, therealestateinvestor.com. There, you can subscribe to our show, become part of our investor community, and get updates on upcoming episodes. If you like our show, please share it with other women who would benefit. And don't forget to leave us a rating on iTunes. We'd really appreciate it. And as always, we encourage you to take one action as a result of today's show and put it into motion so you can live both a financially free and balanced life. Thanks for spending time with us. Ciao.